Blog Talk Radio. You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com It or not, the white race has a right to be pro-white. 
white people don't lack in numbers. What we lack is unity. If we can figure out how to unify, organize, and fight back, show's over. We win. Historically speaking, when white people finally say enough is enough, the entire world trembles beneath our collective footsteps. But a kingdom that has once been destroyed can never come again into being, nor can the dead ever be brought back to life. Come and take it! Show and I am your host, Sonny Motherfucking T, you whiny ass little bitties. <laughs> if you want to call in or listen now, it's area code 607 203 5423. That's area code 607 203 5423. Opening song tonight was Ted Nugent, Come and Take It from the most recent album, Detroit Muscle, which came out at uh, Near the end of 2021, and 
Ted has announced his final tour. I am absolutely shocked. I wonder if he's got bigger fish to fry. If you go to his website of tednugent.com and go look under his store, there's actually a Trump Nugent 2024 t-shirt. <laughs> Boy, that would be fucking awesome, wouldn't it? Nixon always said, make sure you pick someone who's worse than you. It increases your chance of survival. Yeah, that's why Democrats always get the worst fucking person they can run for VP because that way they're less likely to get assassinated or impeached. I mean, why do you think Biden picked fucking Harris? Or should I say Kamala Harris? Or as I would say, Camelto Hairless. I mean, she's probably got a shaped bush. Anyway, but uh, yeah, just like Ted Nugent, I don't give a fuck. I'll say whatever the hell's on my mind. And I know why some people out there like Toto just sitting there fucking smirking like, sunny motherfucking tea, bitches. <laughs> I fucking love it. Democrat corn and I don't care. That's right. So, uh, yeah, if you haven't gotten the album Detroit Muscle, they has got some pretty good stuff on it. Uh, we're actually going to play the title track near the end of the show. And um, pretty badass little thing, really underscoring um, the legacy, or I should say former legacy of Detroit, and it's it's cars, that's for sure. So good stuff, good stuff. Okay, open um, guest for this evening is Ken Givitin. I uh, can go to his website at dailyken.com, and it'll take it to his blogspot page. And he always posts some very interesting stuff. Um, he had gotten woken um, a while back as well. A lot of the guests that he had on there kind of, if not underscored what he may have already suspected, but showed the, the straight-up media bias of the black-on-white crime. And so there's a lot of interesting stuff there. So um, um, you can go to the website, and you can see a lot of the fe- things he features where uh, it's a lot of especially black-on-white crime or even black on Asian crime in some particular cases. This one here, 64-year-old Alvin Matsumoto was fairly beaten in Honolulu, Hawaii. Arrested was 23-year-old Kendall Gray. And, of course, they show a picture of him. You know, he's a kefir with a mask on. So, you know, not only is he brain dead, but obviously, uh, you know, this is what happens when the fucking monkeys run loose from the zoo. So that's an interesting situation. And we also know that nothing is safe. So anything that's left behind um, that could actually um, show that someone might have actually left some sort of uh, legacy behind or is at least recognized um, is pretty much kaput. So I'll play the clip here. Uh, hang on one second. So brick wall in Baltimore, Maryland has been raised. The wall separated Morgan State University from the neighboring community. The school was founded as a black institution at a time we are told when blacks were not allowed access to higher education. Uh, the neighboring community was white. Formed in 1867 as Centenary Biblical Institute, it was renamed Morgan College in 1890 in honor of the Reverend Littleton Morgan. Morgan donated land to the school. Uh, so why was the spiked wall built? It may have been constructed to protect black students from pervasive white supremacy that we are told is our nation's legacy. 
Perhaps it was built to provide a safe space to, to white neighbors who feared being victims of black crime. Oddly, universities throughout the USA are perpetually constructing walls of segregation. They call them safe spaces. These are designated areas where non-whites are allowed and whites are banned. Marxists among us uh, continue to portray Western culture as the epitome of systemic racism. In the Marxist paradigm, whites are the oppressing bourgeois and non-whites are the oppressed proletariat. Morgan State University is one of many schools created to educate blacks at a time when blacks were denied access to education. Gilbert Academy was founded in New Orleans, Louisiana to provide education for black high school students orphaned by the Civil War. It was founded in 1863 as an orphanage and morphed into a college preparatory school. It closed in 1949 just as progressives were rescuing blacks from white oppression. The Institute Catholique was also founded in New Orleans at the time when blacks were denied access to education. The school was created in 1848. The height of the racist antebellum era, 1832 to 1860, to educate free black orphans. A year prior to public education being made available to white children in the city. The school was funded from a trust established in the will of Madame Marie Couvent, an African-born widow of Bernard Couvent, a wealthy black citizen who prospered at a time when we are told blacks were denied access to wealth. The Institute Catholique was shuttered in 1919. Like Gilbert Academy, the school closed as as woke progressives rescued blacks from systemic white racism. No matter what, you can't get ahead of this thing. It, it's never ending. So here is the news report. A wall of segregation which once separated black and white communities now become a relic of the past. And in 1939, uh, the neighbors then started building uh, what was labeled a black man speaking. Wall, a hate wall. Uh, to prevent Morgan State students from simply walking across the street into the all-white neighborhood and to shop at an all-white shopping center here. Since then, Morgan State has made its presence known on the grounds of the old shopping plaza. Among the additions, a new school of business. These same grounds are the grounds that students like them protested on. They said, I don't care how many walls you build, we're going to come over here. And we're going to sit in these establishments, and you are going to serve us, and we're not going to leave until that happens. Now, a new story is being told by the university and the community located on the other side of the spike wall. We're definitely excited and finally glad to see this Another all come down. It's held us um, apart from each other for years unnecessarily, so we are glad to see our homes See, all the people featured in that uh, that news broadcast were black. The narrator is black. The the um, the opening guy that was that had the 
hard hat on that was talking about the wall coming down, black. That the chick that was talking, black. The second chick that was talking, black. So this is what's going to happen, is that we are seeing some major demographic changes. And this is not by accident. This is purposefully. And what gets me is, again, is that uh, whites are allowing this to happen. We Apparently, because we don't see any reports of the, the crimes and atrocities that go on in South Africa, we never get to see they kill whites. They destroy anything that's white. It's like that, that fucking Pakistani guy up in Scotland that was bitching that all the major uh, public offices are all held by whites. Uh, yeah, dude, it's Scotland. Scots are white. Or oh, oh, the prime minister or, 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 the, or the, the, the president of this is white. The, the attorney general is the head of the university is white. Uh, yeah, and you're a Pakistani piece of shit. That somehow managed to fucking probably through some affirmative action is probably how you even got a fucking education. And then you take that very system and, and you turn it against it. This is the problem you have with educating fucking minorities. Is the ones that actually have half a brain will fucking take that education and use it against you. Okay? That's a serious fucking issue. So just this evening, I was actually driving around and a friend had messaged me and said, Hey, uh, do you know of any nail spas in, in the uh Springboro area, and I said, uh, I know what or two off the top of my head, and and she said, because I, I, a lot of the stuff we're seeing up here is they're all run by chinks. I'm like, you know, that's a good point. The one right next to China Garden there by Kroger is run by chinks, probably the same group that actually run the China Garden. Uh, the one that's up by North Lane Market, chinks run that. The one that's over there by um, Fifth Third Bank and now that Christ Hospital bullshit they've got open there right there on 73. Uh, also, Chinks. Uh, there was another one that I saw um, somewhere else down the road. Chinks run that too. So they seem to have exclusively targeted an entire market there. Okay. And so, and not only that, but you go into a lot of the Walmarts. A lot of the Walmarts have a hair and nail spa and they're all run by Chinks. So I know the one in, in Lebanon um, was, but I think they moved out of that recently because they moved across the street to one of the um, strip malls that's uh, like next to the parking lot, um, I think, because it's been a little while since I've been in there. Uh, if there was one in Franklin, maybe that one's still there. I don't recall. But I know the, I think there's one up there. By the Dayton Mall, I think they still have uh, occupants there. Again, they're all they're all fucking Chinese. So that's something to bring about that we have enough Chinese population just in this part of fucking Dayton area alone that they've cornered an entire industry. Okay, so that's something to be aware of. All right, which means there's probably they're probably using that to help immigrate a lot of their families in here. Chain migration. Chinese are notorious for that shit. Um, let's see what else is. We're getting a lot more Mexican restaurants popping up. That's an issue altogether. So it means we're getting a huge big population up in here. So, I mean, we're getting I, – I, I started researching around the East Dayton area where I grew up at, Belmont. Uh, you go down by Hearthstone where the uh, train tracks by uh, East Town Shopping Center are, and they turned one of the train tracks into a bike trail, which is cool you can ride that for miles. And uh, you go and jump onto the one that's parallel with 35. It runs – uh, there's an overpass 
um, that Woodman Drive goes over, and right after that is Woodman Park Apartments, I do believe. And um, um, they've got a huge spec population there now. But you know how you can tell? The graffiti on the walls. I had uh, shot video about 10 years ago with one of my old phones. The storage unit by the East Town Shopping Center bike path that I mentioned earlier, that whole back wall has been completely graffitied. And some of us got some interesting artwork. Others, there's hidden messages. And I've talked about this on the show many times before. I actually took extensive uh, pictures and video footage of that. And I actually contacted um, the LAPD and asked to talk to one of their um, one of their uh, gang uh, divisions and just say, uh, if you could, sir, could you look at these photos and, and tell me, I, I just get a sense that literally the writing is on the wall. But they're basically saying that we're here and we're not going anywhere. As I said, a lot of the typical graffiti you'd see, like in the overpasses, um, or, or even in the on the supports underneath the creeks or whatever, um, it's real janky. One can of spray paint, you know, spray paint bullshit messages, or you know, like like in Chicago, Kilroy is here, stupid shit like that. Okay, but this is a lot more intricate. This is very artistic, and there's hidden messages in some of the shit. He's like, uh, he said, Mr. Thomas, this is the, the fact that you think there is. Um, there's hidden messages in the graffiti that you're absolutely correct. I said, well, how is that? He's like, a lot of it's hidden inside the font. That's why the fonts is because when they make it look like the balloon style fonts, what is in the middle of the fonts is usually where the message is. I'm like, how so? He's like, well, if you look at this one here, it's clearly obvious the way this one's done is a white man hung by a noose. I thought, he's shitting me. He's like, no, it's a stick figure. But because the spray painted white in the head, that means white person, and that basically um, that they're they are lynching a white person, assumingly a man. And then when you go and saw the May Day bullshit back in 2005, and all the Hispanics uh, protested, and all fucking said we're not going to work today to show you our numbers, and the videos they made and the bragging that they said was amazing. Some saying, so look, I got this is my sixth sixth child. I have a seventh one already on the way. What I don't get you with fucking bullets, I'll get you with with fucking babies. And he's got a point because if you look at the Cloward and Piven strategy, that's the thing to do is to overload the welfare system so it collapses. Then it has to be nationalized, and that's exactly what's going on here. That's why they're bringing all these illegals in and stuffing them in. And there's many people I know that have, sadly have had to get disability that are basically um, – screwed for at least three to five years before they even get their case heard, much less approved. Okay. I mean, prime example, <clears throat> um, I had a family member who, who been working the whole lives. They didn't even know how long they were working until they actually started looking into it for 39 years. Okay. 39 years they worked and they worked a lot of fucking hours. Okay. Well, their health got bad. Had some serious health issues that started to started to metastasize a little bit. And so they weren't able to work anymore. And uh, unfortunately, um, they were just getting ready to get a lot of their bills paid off. And uh, they had they had two credit cards paid off, and they were paying off the last one. And they only had like maybe six years left on the mortgage or something like that. I mean, they were getting pretty damn close. Well, they had to retire early because of their health. And since they only had one income coming in, it really set them back big time. So they had to declare bankruptcy. That was a major issue. So actually seeing through their prism what it's like to go through bankruptcy 
is uh, is, is not a fun thing at all. People act like, oh, it's great. It's a chance to start over and get to refresh. No, dude. You're basically at the beck and call and begging the courts to allow you to spend money. I mean, something simple as they needed some windows done in their home because they're afraid if they might have to sell the damn thing, they would get as much for it. And so uh, they had to beg the court to let them spend some money on the windows because they're actually going to get a good deal on it. And uh, the judge actually surprisingly let them have it. So it's like, holy shit, because they know at some point if they lost their house, the house would increase in value. That's what because they'd be like, oh, that'd be a bigger, fatter prize. Uh, because those were the original windows that came with the house, and that house is at least 30, 40 years old. So, yeah, it's time to upgrade that shit. So, yeah, that's just a, makes it bigger. You'd be surprised how much that increases the value of the house by at least uh, three to $15,000 in some cases, depending on where you're at. So, yeah, that could be a big fucking deal, especially if you have weird cut windows and shit like half half rounds or ovals or whatever. I mean, yeah, those things are a lot more expensive. So that shit adds up real quick. So those are some things not to mess around with, man, because, I mean, seriously, it, it is a bad situation, very bad. But anyways, this is what's happening, is that as minorities get positions of power and influence and they start taking over the seats because the white population is diminishing, through, either through misogyny, uh, this fake wokeism, fake feminism, uh, this gay pride bullshit, uh, all, all this crap. And, and every, every piece of advertisement you look at is anti-white. They always have a, a mixed – they always have a, a – a, if they do have a, a white male, he's always with a mulatto female. I'm starting to see that a lot more, and it makes sure she looks fairly attractive. Maybe not as pretty as Holly Berry, but, you know, something along those lines. You know what I'm saying? Like it's okay to go on a little bit darker side of life. So, I mean, you know, that's what they're pushing. Matter of fact, I stopped at the store tonight. And the latest issue of uh, Homes and Gardens magazine had a feature there. And uh, hang on a second, I'm going to try to. So, yeah, Better Homes and Gardens. It says Family Ties How Dave and Jenny Mars Juggle a Hit TV Show in Life on the Farm. Okay? And they got a pretty good sized family here. Um. I've seen the show once. Like I said, I don't have cable. I don't waste money on that shit. A lot of times I was over with my folks uh, during holiday. I was sitting down and kind of binge watching some Discovery Channel shit, whatever. Anyway, they had that show on. They like watching some improvement shows. Anyways, family here. They've got a black girl, and she is cold black. Cold black. Now, what is the purpose of having her in there? They adopt her? They feel pity for her? Or is it virtue signaling? I mean, it's the same thing celebrities do all the time. Like my she has to feel compelled to go to Africa to get a fucking black baby. What the fuck? You know? You can't even American fucking get one. You know? Who's Madonna anymore? She's not even relevant. So, I mean, and, and I think she's starting to realize that. I mean, a face clip she's really is anymore. Even a woman? I mean, that's another question. How do you define a woman these days? <laughs> so that's a serious issue. But that is something really to look at is because the fact that the the advertising is really pushing hard to uh, wipe us out. So uh, I have an AOL account, and I uh, every time I go check my emails, there's always an advertisement within three or four messages down. And um, it has the option. It's got three little dots in the upper-hand corner where you can say, why this ad, like this ad, or dislike this ad. Well, every time I see either uh, an entire colored ad 
or a mixed ad, I automatically dislike the ad, okay? And I notice the only time they show a white person is there's one where they show a credit card, and it's and you can't see her, but she looks it look, obviously it's white. It's a female, white hands on a phone, and she's doing her thing, and, and it got the credit card superimposed over the front of it, and you can see it, okay? But then, um, but the only time they show white couples are baby boomers. Yeah, they show baby boomers. I saw one actually has a complete white family. I don't know what the ad's for exactly. Uh, could be for some mutual fund. I don't know, but it's it's an entirely white family, which is a multitude of generations. So I'm like, wow, that's actually great. So click, I'll like that ad. So if you do have an option to like the ad, do it. If you're on Facebook and you see an ad that pops up, you can actually click on it and say you don't want you want to hide this ad and I'll ask why. And just put on there it's offensive. So I think they may even have a box in there where you can say on there what you like. Say, look, it's anti-white. There's no white people in here. Okay? Even a lot of these sample pictures I see on, on, on corporate websites, because you know these people don't work there. They're all um, stock photos that they use. And they'll show a lot of – I see this with banks a lot now. I see a lot of – look like banks giving loans – as a black banker giving a loan to a white couple. Okay, I see that a lot in commercials and on advertising. So they are really pushing this anti-white agenda really, really fucking hard. At the same circle, they're also really pushing this, um, this gay shit. So the Dylan Mulvaney thing has really backfired uh, big time on Anheuser-Busch. Um, thanks to Kid Rock. Thanks to um, John Rich. Thanks to Travis Tritt. Uh, th- these are all things that matter. So here's just to give you an idea. Anheuser-Busch sheds roughly $5 billion, That's with a B, boys and girls. Billion. $5 billion in value since Bud Light's Dylan Mulvaney Pact sparked outrage. This is probably the biggest controversy we've seen in a long time. Industry expert tells Fox News Digital. Beer juggernaut Anheuser-Busch has seen its value nosedive roughly $5 billion since Bud Light's polarizing partnership with transgender activist Dylan Balvaney. As of Wednesday's close, Anheuser-Busch has fallen 5.02% and lost $4.562 billion in market cap, according to Dow Jones Market Data Group. The stock was $66.33 per share on March 31st and closed $63.38 on Wednesday. An analyst on the matter was first analysis on the matter was first published in the New York Post. Mulvaney, a trans activist and social media influencer who gained prominence uh, when given an opportunity to interview usurper Biden about LGBT issues in 2022, revealed earlier this month that the beer company sent packs of Bud Light with her face, and it says her. I'm going to put the proper gender in this thing, okay? So I'm going to read it as I see it, okay? With his face printed on the can as part of the after the beer company's March Madness contest as a way to celebrate a full year of girlhood. Mulvaney said the cans was his most prized possession on Instagram with a post featuring Bud Light partner hashtag. A video didn't feature Mulvaney in a bathtub drinking a Bud Light beer as part of the campaign, but the pact was met with significant criticism. And as a Bush stock plummeting comes as country music singer John Rich said he pulled cases of Bud Light from his Nashville, Tennessee bar as part of a boycott against Anheuser-Busch. Conservative record Kid Rock used several Bud Light cases for target practice in a viral video. 
There's been widespread backlash on social media while beer distributors also concerned. Also, Ted Nugent has also come out speaking out against this as well. AB did not immediately respond to requests for comment about its stock. The company stood previously by its decision. And, of course, the bullshit issue, this answer they give you is, Anheuser-Busch works with hundreds of influencers across our brands as one of many ways to authentically connect with audiences across various demographics. <laughs> From time to time, we produce unique commemorative cans for fans and for brand influencers like Dylan Mulvaney. This commemorative can was a gift to celebrate a personal milestone and is not for sale to the general public. And then as a ghost person told Fox News, uh, my emphasis. <laughs> uh, Beer Business Daily editor and publisher Harry Schumacher wrote this week that AB distributors in rural areas were spooked over the backlash. This is probably the biggest controversy in a long time. There was a little bit of worry, especially in the South and Midwest and especially in rural areas, where retailers were reporting the, you know, their customers weren't happy with Bud Light. Some retailers themselves weren't happy with Bud Light. GOP presidential hopeful Vivek Ramaswamy, Indian guy running on the GOP ticket, scolded Bud Light on Wednesday in an opinion piece for Fox News Digital. Quote, now the king of beers has become the king of queers. No, that's my, my emphasis. Beers for Queers is paying homage no, that's my emphasis, is paying homage to the newest cultural zeitgeist by paying trans activist Mulvaney to prod grown men into dressing like Audrey Hepburn while drinking beer. For a drink that was once a blue collar staple of Middle America, this isn't a winning sales strategy. It's a way for the CEO to signal his virtual uh, while alienating a customer base that's too afraid to say it out loud. Yeah. And we think that the CEO of Bud Light the main person pushing it right now, some chick, um, is probably one of the tribe. So, again, that's some crazy shit. But, again, that's what happens. So, we have said enough. I said Ted Nugent also uh, Matter of fact, Travis Tritt um, did an excellent uh, post on that. Hang on. the post here. Country Travis Travis Tritt boycotts Bud Light after transgender ad deal. Transgender influencer and activist Dylan Mulvaney shared a sponsor post uh, promoting Bud Light and it caused outrage from many social media users, including country singer Travis Tritt. And what's also interesting about that, um, let me see if I can find where the post is. God, I didn't know he's 60 already. You know, he's that old. Uh, yeah, they, they put on his Twitter. This is disgusting. I, I can stand to see this fuck twad's face, man. I'm trying to find the damn thing here. Ah, here it is. He also responded to a user who asked for a list of all related Bud products by posting the logos of some 30 beer brands, including Budweiser, Bex, Bush, Corona, Michelob Light, and Stella Artois, which sucks because I enjoy drinking Stella Artois. So, yeah, here they are. Uh, Hoo Garden. <laughs> okay. Ah, Landshark. Good. I almost bought this last night. I'm glad I did. Uh, Margaritaville, Hurricane, Corona Extra. Estrella, King Cobra, Bush, 
Labatt Blue, Bex, Stellar Artois, Rolling Rock, Treachvier, Kieran Light, Lowenbra, uh, Negra Modelo, Red Hook, St. Pauli Girl, Natural Eyes, O'Doul's, Leffy, Shot Top, Boddington's, Goose Island, Bass, and Michelob Light. So, yeah, I would no longer be uh, drinking. So, uh, yes, I thought that was actually pretty cool. And then he, he posted that. That's a big, big thing. So that might go ahead and take that and uh, really push that myself uh, to boycott this BS. Okay, so it saves on my desktop. Sweet. So that's how it starts. So that's that's a good thing. All right, so we're going to bring on Ken Gibbon after this brief break. And we're going to... Um, get his take on some of this stuff. Plus, again, a lot of interesting stuff on dailyken.com. Again, I encourage you to go there on a regular basis and uh, check out a lot of stuff. Um, he has posted a lot of the minority on white, but again, he also has one here where a, a Japanese man in Hawaii was killed by a black. So, a lot of it, a lot of interesting stuff here, and uh, very good to uh, point out. Ah, he just posted one this one, another one, another one. Sapea uh, Kirsten Padilla, 34, space shot in her vehicle in Flint, Michigan. And, of course, arrested was Demarcus Latrell Williams. There's nobody names their kids Demarcus, at least not in our tribe. <laughs> so, I mean, that really gives you a pretty good idea just by the names because they won't mention that it's a, it's a black-and-white crime in the newspapers at all. Um, they do that on purpose. Uh, you just tell by the names. And that's pretty, pretty disturbing uh, when you think about that. So we'll be back right after these brief messages with Ken Gibbon. And I want to get his take on uh, what's that coming to him, as well as his thoughts on current events. Water is the single most important thing your body needs. So you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey Guy provides the lowest price filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653. 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com. We have the new product at InfoWarsLife.com, BioTrue Selenium. We've had so many requests over the years for selenium, and just recently we were able to source a certified organic bioavailable selenium from mustard seed extract. When you take selenium in the body, it actually benefits the detoxification systems in your body. It helps balance the thyroid gland. It helps detoxify. Selenium is another one of those absolute must-haves. The highest concentration of selenium is in the thyroid gland, but it's actually used all over the body. As a matter of fact, there's 25 genes in the body that are directly dependent upon selenium. So it really is a all-around nutrient that everybody really needs. I'm taking it now every day. This is so key. BioTrue Selenium is the product, the best selenium that we could bring you. We believe it's the best out there at a very, very low price. Exclusively available at InfoWarsLife.com or by calling toll-free 888 you produce your own music and want to market it successfully. Your solution, Fire.com. 
This is how digital music distribution works. Register, load up song, and earn money. Fire.com takes your music into over 300 download portals. For example, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, or Beatport. Register now and take off with Fire's professional music distribution. Load up your music. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Radio. ResolutionRDO.com. You're listening to The St. Thomas Show with St. Thomas on ResolutionRDO.com. Call in or listen now at 607-203-5423. That's 607-203-5423. Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible, ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing through the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our Constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, theamericanfreedomparty.us. It's a House of Blues break. Hey, sometimes it's a whole lot easier listening to the blues than attempting to try to define it. According to blues guitarist Eric Girardi, the blues means so much to so many different people that it's, it's just hard to define exactly what it is that makes this music so appealing. But some people, it has such a profound effect. I really don't know, but all I know is the first time my dad threw me on my uh, bed and made me listen to Jimmy Reed, and he scratched my Ozzy Osbourne record in the uh, process and said, son, time we had a talk, listen to this. It had a profound effect on me, and I just, whenever I picked up a guitar, that's what would come out. I'd be playing, baby, what you want me to do, no matter what I wanted to play. It just kept coming out. So let's just not question it, and let's just be happy that it's there, I suppose. All right, welcome back to the Resolution Radio Network at ResolutionRDO.com. This is the Sonny Thomas Show, and I am your host, Sonny Thomas. If you want to call in and listen now, it's area code 607 203 5423, air code 607-203-5423. You can follow us on various social media. Obviously, we are on Telegram at Resolution RDO and St. Thomas Show, on Getter, Resolution RDO and St. Thomas Show, Parlor at Resolution RDO and St. Thomas Show, um, Gab at Resolution RDO and St. Thomas Show, and at Real St. Thomas. And also uh, on Winkin at St. Thomas Show. 
and uh, yeah, so Parler is our most recent one. We've added Resolution RDO. Oh, and Twitter. We're still on Twitter. So um, it's Resolution RDO, the number one on Twitter, and that's the time of show um, on Twitter as well. So, okay. Yeah. So I'm running out of space to put hyperlinks in the, in the display. So that's where I, it's not featured in the uh, show description. However, there is a show description link to dailyken.com. And uh, it's uh, webmaster and also very interesting commentator. Ken Givenden is with us again today. It's been a while since we had Ken on. And I uh, always appreciate um, his content as well as his general opinion. Uh, he's also a former Libertarian Party candidate for governor of Indiana a uh, number of years back. And you can also look at some of his debates on there as well. Actually, they're interesting debates and uh, some good stuff. But over the years, Ken's commentary, he actually interviewed a lot of different, uh, you know, white nationalists, pro-white groups, uh, ethnic guys, all sorts of stuff. And, um, you know, it, even if you don't have those views, they're interesting guys to, to have discussions with. The simple fact that a lot of them are very educated. Um, many of them are very passionate about the issues. And they point out the absurdities and the hypocrisies of what the media talks about, how they always slant um, and make the victim the perp, especially if the uh, the perpetrator is black. They'll, they'll try to make it like he's victimized. Basically, he's a victim of systemic racism, and so him going after Whitey is justifiable homicide. So, I mean, that's what it's turned into. So, I mean, he's like, so when did Idiocracy become a, a documentary? You know what I mean? It's really becoming to that point. But, um, you know, it's a very interesting question to raise. And the thing about it is most is that our, our white people are not replicating enough. The mathematics are against this. The amount of people that are pouring in here, um, some of them have strange proclivities, but the bottom line is they have the means to mass multiply. Um, either if they're polygamous, like uh, Muslims, and in some cases Hispanics, because they'll just, they'll just hit anything that's on two legs. And um, when you've got that type of mathematical advantage you cannot compete when you barely pop out one or two kids and the more that our people are either um gone goth and commit suicide um or become trans and they go shoot up schools whatever case may be it just makes white people look bad and that's ultimately what matters is that they just want white people not to be able to have a say on anything and we're already seeing that in many places even in england it is pretty much official right now that half of England is all non-whites, that it's pretty much gone. So this is what you de- you defeated Hitler for. Everything that Hitler warned about is happening. And yet Britain still has never been uh, answered, have, have been tried for war crimes against the German people that had nothing to do with the National Socialist government and that were trying to avoid the Red Army that was coming from the east. So that's become more and more to light because the victors have always written the stories but now as we're starting to really see the stories left out, we're like, oh, that's why they did this. Makes sense. Ken, welcome back to the Funny Thomas Show. Uh, how you doing? Good, my friend. How about yourself? Well, I got to tell you, I turned on the air conditioner for the first time today. <laughs> and I think I might have to turn it off because it's kind of noisy in the background. Can you hear it? No. Okay, give me give me just one second. I'm gonna walk over and hit the button. Okay. But actually, I couldn't hear right now either because I have a fan near me. So 
I wouldn't even notice All it. Right. I got this little window air conditioner in my cabin here, and uh, yeah. man, it's loud. If I were rich, I'd buy one of those quiet things. So, uh, yeah, right. we're having a serious problem, uh, Sonny, in this country, around the world, with uh, not just black on white violence, but uh, uh, horrific violence that's just not being reported in the media. For example, uh, if I were to say that there was a hate crime, a hate group, they massacred 30-some black people. But just in the recent just in recent days, people would say, why, I didn't hear about that. But yeah, it happens all the time in Africa. The hate groups are Muslims, and they massacre um, around 10,000 people of color, a little bit less than 10,000 people of color, non-white people, every single day. And where's Black Lives Matter? You know, they don't care. The point being that uh, the media, the far left, Marxists, whatever you want to call these people, they love to exploit even the slightest, uh, and they just make stuff up, the slightest offense they can interpret as racism based on what white people do. But Muslims can kill blacks by the, literally by the thousands every year. Media says nothing. So that tells me that Black Lives Matter, that movement in general, doesn't really care about Black Lives Matter. What do they care about? Well, they care about uh, displacing, destroying Western culture. We could say white culture, but it's Western culture. That's what they're all about. They don't care about black lives. They don't care about white lives. They don't care about anything but destroying us. So something we're Another problem they have is, too, is, Ken, is that they really hate the fact that um, educated blacks are coming out against Black Lives Matter, seeing it for the, the sham that it is. For example, um, I mentioned a while back, there's a couple of things that pop up on the internet that says, oh, these words need to be like phased out, or uh, so, or basically, th- these these words or these items are still associated with boomers. It's pretty obvious that ever since COVID, when they started nicknaming it Boomer Remover, um, that they are basically saying, okay, we've done with you guys. Now we're going to go ahead and kick you off the thing because of the fact that a lot, even a lot of boomers were hoodwinked by the 1960s movements and stuff, which means the, the real enemy that got away in World War II was the Frankfurt School. If they were to come here and just totally uh, uh, be a parasite and attack our youth while our men are over there fighting a bullshit war that never should have happened in the first place. Because the more and more you look at the cause and effect of wars leading up to World War One, the actual cause and effect of World War One, which is to eliminate the European monarchies, uh, so that's what you push, push for a world government, which was the League of Nations. And then when that didn't go too well, the Second World War. And again, Hitler didn't want a war, but he was forced into it. And um, And really when it really kicked off for us, obviously, when Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. But there's an excellent meme that I saw out there that shows a little white girl says, um, asking her to be responsible for slavery, and then it goes to Pearl Harbor. And I think that's a powerful meme because it shows, um, you know, how is, how is the, why is the sins of the father being pushed onto the, onto the child, you know? So, I mean, that's a whole other thing. And uh, more and more you look at the cause and effects of both those wars. And FDR really helped push it by because the Sino-Japanese War, when they invaded Manchuria and, and attacked China and stuff and did all sorts of 
heinous crimes of the Chinese people. You also got to understand, those guys have had feuds off and on for centuries, and there's a lot of history between those two people. You can't have two powerful nations that close to each other and eventually not butt heads. It's just not going to happen. And um, uh, it, it really showcased a lot of things. So it's easy to, to just generalize stuff. But unless you know the full background of why groups fight each other, um, you're best off not saying anything because of the fact that it shows your ignorance. And don't forget the transfer agreement. If people don't know what that is, they yes. need to Google it. But uh, one of Hitler's primary objectives was to, uh, if I understand this correctly, was to create, if not a country, but to establish a place in Palestine, which we now call the nation of Israel, where Jews could go, where they could leave Europe. I mean, the final solution wasn't to gas six million Jews. At least as I understand it, if I'm wrong, somebody could point me in the right direction. But the final solution was to deport people that he thought didn't belong in Germany, specifically Jews, and give them their own homeland. That was a transfer agreement. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, I've got a whole book written on it, but, you know, the documents are there. It's undeniable, but the media, they just don't talk about it. But you stop and think that Adolf Hitler was the George Washington of Israel. That is yeah. a, that, that's a reality. You know, that was his whole objective, at least, as again, as I understand it. And I sometimes misunderstand things. But that's the way that I get it. But going back to what you were saying earlier, the thought came to mind is there's one trait about the far left, about Marxists, that uh, they don't quit. You know, they've been at this for, well, since the days of Karl Marx. And we see it over and over and over. You were talking earlier about the uh, advertising industry and how they're selling not products, but they're selling basically social uh, a social agenda. We got to keep in mind that uh, they just don't stop. They just don't quit. Every avenue they can access, they do that. And we also need to keep in mind that there are major advertising organizations that uh, – advance or push the woke agenda. They hold conferences. I mean, they're very large organizations, and people go and learn how to how to maximize their advertising dollar. And when they go to these conferences and participate in this organization, these organizations, they learn that what they need to do is be socially responsible. That's where that's why you don't see any white people on television anymore, hardly ever. Now, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 70, so I grew up in the uh, 50s, 60s. And I don't know if we talked about this in the past, but when I watched television, it was all white people. I mean, the commercials were all white people. You know, Sammy Davis Jr. would pop up once in a while, and uh, Nat King Cole, you see him, and there were a couple others. But by and large, you know, we were a culture. We had an idea, and that's where we were. But everything has changed. Uh, they were destroying our sense of identity. And if you look up the definition of what it means to destroy a people, effectively genocide, effectively it's not that you machine gun everybody or kill them with uh, you know, a virus or something. It's that you destroy their culture. Now, one more thing, and I'll get your feedback on this, but uh, you know, the Associated Press has guidelines. 
you know, what words to use, what, how punctuation and so forth is to be used properly. And one of their guidelines is when you're speaking of black people, you should always capitalize the letter black. But when you speak of white people, you should never capitalize the W because we're not a people. Black people right. have a history. Black, you know. And it's in their book, for crying out loud. You can actually – I wrote an article um, for Vidare's blog about that. They posted a month or so ago. If that's not an agenda, I don't know what it is. You know, people talk about conspiracy theories. I'm not smart enough to understand that. But does it really matter? I mean, they're doing it whether it's a conspiracy or not. It's happening. And there needs to be some pushback, and uh, people are just terrified. Sonny, because if we dare push back, what do they do? They call us racist or intolerant or something with a phobe on the end of it. Uh, So you can't be sane, can't be rational. But uh, do you think – do you think white people are coming to their senses that, hey, wait a minute, we're being gaslighted here. We're not racist. Do you think that's happening? Some ways it has. Um, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, especially on uh, Wimkin, for example, is one of the alternatives to Facebook. And there's a lot of people who are starting to understand the anti-white advertising, um, especially when I, when I showcase stuff. Uh, I, I send pictures all the time and I'll ask questions about this. Matter of fact, I saw a very dis- deceiving ad that was on part of last night and um, it's from ChristianReport.com or something and it, it's completely crap because when you look at it it shows uh, someone holding up a sign and I, and I think I uh, let me go back here and look at this um, they, they, they posted up a sign and talk about here it is. I even set this straight to parlor. So, what kind of bullshit advertising is this? A Christianity quote unquote website raising awareness of supposed anti Semitism, especially in Miami. Jews hate your Christ and Christians. Read their Talmud. And so, I took a screenshot of the ads just sponsored on a soccer field in Miami Dade, Florida. A group of young boys showed the world that hatred is root deep, rooted deeply in this young generation. When we received the news of this story, we're heartbroken, this deep, this strong still exists today. And I have a sign here that someone told us says, zero tolerance for anti-Semitism. Jewish boy brutally assaulted at soccer game. ChristianityReport.com. And you click on it, it's completely bogus because the fact that the way it's written and sensationalized, you can tell a Jew wrote this. And in, in, in all fairness, though, Ken, a lot of this younger generation are completely anti-racist. And I mean it, both terms of the word, because of the fact that we've been they've been bludgeoning over the head for so long that you should never look down on another race. If anything, you should question your own race and your own accomplishments, and and basically be uh, embarrassed and ashamed of your history. And um, what, what they don't realize is, okay, when you look at the actual average IQ of the Europeans, they're like the second, you know, second highest. And, and the highest is being some you know, some of the Asian groups, either Chinese or Japanese, okay? But East you never saw Chinese sail the seven seas to go explore the world. Supposedly, there's a documentary that says, did China discover North America in 1492? Where they, they claim that a Chinese junk may have actually gone to the southern part of um, Alaska near Anchorage. And uh, at the time that Columbus was, was heading to the West Indies. But, again, um, they obviously had much 
superior technologies and even Egypt at its peak. The kingdoms of China were technologically and sociologically more advanced than all of Egypt at its peak, but yet they never went out and explored the other parts of the world. So I can't understand it, but, but Europeans built frigates, and they sailed all over the place. And, of course, you know, you have big, huge corporations started. In other words, like the East, the East India Trade Company, all that shit. So, I mean, they were like the largest corporation next to the Catholic Church. So, I mean, you know, again, and, and a lot of stuff spread where they went. But every place that introduced, quote, unquote, colonialism was for the better. And as soon as those colonials left or were massacred, the, that entire society collapsed. And they went back to basic programming of just killing each other. Um, out, out of their own natural instincts. So any relic of civilization, like in Haiti or in other places, completely annihilated as soon as they took whites out of the question. And that's what they want. Have you ever wondered what would happen, Sonny, when uh, white people are gone? And look at Haiti. That's that's the answer. And if you consider that, uh, and I think we talked about this last time, I was, uh, had a conversation with you, that like 95% of everything that's ever been invented in the last 5,000 years was invented in Western uh, nations, Western cultures. And that's easy to document, easy to verify. Just look around wherever you happen to be. Everything you see invented by some white person. So nobody thinks of that. And if you do think of it, that's evidence that you're a racist, I guess. But what happens when we're gone or what, what would have happened? If uh, all the in- innovations were left up to non-white people, well, probably, you know, would still be hunters and gatherers. But that's, you know, why do, why do people want to come to Western nations? Why do they want to come to white countries? It's because we're innovators. It's because we create wealth and they want to take part of it. Who can blame them? I do the same thing. I mean, you probably would too. But by the by virtue of the fact that we're having floods of caravans or whatever breaking across our border in the south, uh, floating across you know the Mediterranean or whatever, trying to reach into Europe, that is uh, a testament to what well white supremacy. They're saying white people are better than where we came from. Of course, the media says they're fleeing war or something else. But uh, another point. That verifies that is uh, you probably saw this in the news that um, so-called evacuees from Afghanistan were given social workers when they arrived in the United States, and they complained because some of their social workers were not white, and some of them were uh, women. They only wanted white males to be their social workers. Mm-hmm. Are they white supremacists? Well, I think, uh, I think yeah, they are. I mean, what they're doing is they're saying that, you know, it was, it was a snub. It was an insult. It was patronizing for these people to be assigned to a non-white social worker. It's like, uh, no, you're trying to, you know, cut me short here. I want to talk to someone who knows what they're doing. Right. White people. And there is, you know, there is an in-group bias that exists uh, throughout all of nature. That's, that's just undeniable. But the Marxists don't like that, so they try to deny that it even exists, which obviously it does. They say dumb things like, um, I don't know, that um, diversity is our strength. Uh, since when? No, it's not. You know, uh, 
people, there is in-group bias. People fight with each other. I wish they didn't. Wouldn't it be nice if we all got along, but we don't. I mean, that's just reality. And you don't I, have I, to hate. I think, the, I think the true diversity, Ken, is actually in thought as opposed to racial composition. The reason I say it is because the Ron Paul revolution had people from all different political stripes, all different backgrounds, pushing what Ron Paul was pushing. Because as he said, I am an imperfect messenger, but the message is perfect. And that's one of the things I really respect about him because the fact that I was hobnobbing with liberals from Michigan, um, which if us Ohioans, that's completely a no-no. I mean, that's that's our sworn enemies. Yeah, <laughs> But I mean, the, the thing is, is that um, we were able to come up and brainstorm ideas in different ways and I would get Ron Paul's message out and, and push his candidacy. And I think it was a really neat thing to do. But, but again, I was talking to all different people from different backgrounds. But, you know, when I infiltrated some of the Occupy stuff, that was very interesting because of the fact that not only these guys are leftists and hardcore socialists, but some of the subgroups that were trying to get into these groups, such as Occupy Cincinnati, for example, were hardcore Marxists. Even some of the homeless groups, advocacy groups that they had, the tenants that they wanted Occupy Cincinnati to take. And the dude that was kind of the PR guy for the group, you know, um, I, was, I kind of befriended him a little bit. And I said, uh, they was reading off all these things and said, oh, we want to have a meet on how we can uh, uh, incorporate these in or, and make them our tenants. And I looked at him and said, dude, I don't think you realize this or not, but your group is about to be taken over by that subgroup. And, and they are hardcore Marxists. He's like, yeah, I think you're right. And so he, he ran over there and said, oh, we need, we need to have a group discussion on this before we go forward. I mean, he was really trying to hold that off. And, and like I said, I saw a lot of Ron Paul supporters there that kept pushing to end the Fed and, and do other things. And I would go, wait a minute. They, they had this thing that they protested the, uh, the Fountain Square in Cincinnati was owned by three saying, hey, um, that shouldn't belong to any corporate entity. It should belong to the people of Cincinnati. And it's like, um, you know, they're basically screaming out against corporatism and all this other stuff. I'm like, dude, what about the Federal Reserve? I mean, he goes, oh, we don't talk about stuff like that. I'm like, braces get to do what they do. Boom and bus cycles from the Fed creates wolves on sheep corporations such as this. Because as soon as the economy tanks, they come and flush with cash and buy out your struggling business. Boom. You are now a, a subdivision or acquisition of, of another or a subsidiary of another bigger corporation. And that's what they do. There's always a bigger fish. So they always prepare for this. But because the boom and bust cycles of the Fed create this, this is how ingenuity creates things. People build it up. They do all the R&D. They bust their ass. They get it market. They actually get a name recognition. They start making sales. And then all of a sudden, oh, got companies is struggling because of the economy. Hey, we'll come in and buy out your stuff and add you to our matrix. Then you turn into the Borg. And how do they keep how do they keep conservatives, uh, traditionalists, patriots? How do they keep them out of the workplace? Well, I saw an article um, earlier today about a teacher, and she lost her job because she would not teach critical race theory. And mm-hmm. so to have a job, you have to teach critical race theory. And so what happens? Well, you either become a left-wing uh, moon bat or you quit. And that's mm-hmm. how they purge. You know, And the same thing happens on a corporate level. 
you have to attend yeah. uh, you know, the classes, what do they call that, white, um, I forget what the, you know what it is. But you have it's the, to attend it's the diversity, equity, and inclusivity classes. Yeah, you have to come yeah. and say, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Well, you can't work here. So there goes all the conservatives. So the entire – if you're a conservative or a patriot, um, you can't have a job, you know, because they will – they or you have to take the um, – you have to take the jab, you know. You have to uh, yes. make sure that you're not going to – you know, the vaccination. And if you don't but do you know, that, that – But that's what can't, can't work here. That's what Rush Limbaugh had always talked about. He said – you know what? Really, what Democrats really want? They want soup lines in the 1930s again, because that's the when they know they've got you by the balls. Yep, and that's what they're getting. You know, you know if you look at uh, the homeless populations, they all seem to be in blue states, and they're yeah, happy but, to have them because that's their base. You know. Well, you you said you're you're raised in the 50s and 60s, so at least if anything, your parents taught you the value of a dollar. And, and the true value of hard work rewards itself. Yeah. Well, my dad uh, brought home the bacon, and my mom fried it, and we all ate it. You know, that was it. So yeah. they, my parents, were uh, children of the Depression. I think they were born in the uh, 20s. So they were kids during the Depression. Where they jobs, had the value of a dollar. Yeah, and... Uh, Everything had value to it, you know, something that today we just throw in the trash back then. Uh, you can throw, throw stuff away because it costs money, and that's the value of the dollar. So I can't remember my parents teaching me and saying, this is a dollar, you need to value it, but by their example. Yes. You know, they just, uh, you know, they weren't, we weren't wealthy by any means, but uh, I just learned by their example that, uh you know, you need to be careful with your money, and uh, I took that and, uh, you know, started a business with that ideology in my mind, and uh, that is the uh, that is the basis of success. Marxism, what do they do? They take people like us, you know, entrepreneurs, free markets, they don't want us because, well, Marxism is a religion, and we're heretics. You know, basically, Sonny, I think it boils down to that. This whole we uh, woke rather ideology is very much like uh, it's really not a religion, but it's an ideology that that is very similar to religion, parallels religions. And when mm-hmm. we think of it in those terms, these people are nuts. I mean, they they're not grounded in science. They're not grounded in reality. We know that because well, you know, there aren't two sexes. Well, even uh, Richard Dawkins said that's crazy. And he's an atheist. You know, he sees right through that. Who's um, the woman that wrote the, um, I forget her name, wrote the uh, the uh, books? Ah, I hate it when my mind goes blank. But um, you talk about Betty the Harry Potter books. Yeah, the Harry Potter books. I can't remember her oh, name. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Uh, I know you're talking about, yes. But it's so obvious, you know, this is science. These people are science deniers. Climate change, of course the climate changes. There are no climate change deniers, but uh, we're not changing it. You know, it's like dropping an ice cube in the ocean and saying, oh, I affected the temperature of the ocean. Well, I guess you did. J.K. Rowling. Yeah, Rowling, yeah. And some of these people are starting to push back. What happened to the women's movement? 
well, it's not a value anymore. They, you know, they did what they could, and they got as much as they can, and so now they're moving on to the trans movement, you know, mm-hmm. so they can create more victims. This is not science. So what I'm saying is this is like a spook-based ideology very akin to some silly religion. But there's something about religion, and you probably know this, that uh, people don't like it when you offend their religion. It doesn't matter if it's based on science or not. They always say that it is. And it doesn't matter what the religion is. But, you know, we need to approach wokeism the same way you you would approach Jehovah Witnesses, some airbrained, uh, (laughs) or these people who believe in uh, lizard people. Because the fact of the matter is they have taken over our education system. You were talking earlier about advertising. They have taken over it. They own it. And, uh, you know, I'm watching these commercials that you mentioned earlier where these is just happy middle class or upper middle class black people. Those people do exist. Sonny, I attended a black majority high school. I think I've been to that before. And uh, I'll get in trouble for saying this, but it's true. Probably 75 to 85 percent of the black kids I went to school with were functionally retarded. I mean, they just yeah. were. They were nothing at all like the people I see on television and the commercials. Now, there were maybe 20% who were just dark white people, you know. And there were yes. maybe 1% or 2% who were highly intelligent. But, I mean, they just, you know, they couldn't function. You know, they, they, they had low IQs. The impulse control was non-existent. All they did was fight. You, had, you would be attacked if you got anywhere near them. You just had to stay away from them. And some people wonder out loud, it's kind of dangerous to do this if they're even humans. But then there's that, you know, 20% who do behave themselves, who are responsible, and that 1% or 2% who are intellectuals who, you mentioned earlier, were um, giving uh, the far left fits because their uh, their views are aligned with reality. But uh, when I watch these TV commercials, Sonny, I'm wondering, where do these people come from? I mean, who are these black right. people? I don't know them. I know a couple of them, you know, but uh, to watch TV, you'd say they're just everywhere. This is just the norm. Somebody's getting inside our mind. Someone's trying to, and they're doing it, by the way. They have been doing it. By the way, I've got a pickup truck, and I put a Confederate flag on the front of it, you know, so here I am up north in Indiana. But uh, <laughs> how did they get inside our head? And convince us that the Confederate flag was something evil. I mean, just a few years ago, you know, what was that TV show, Dukes of Hazard? Yeah. Nobody thought the Confederate flag was anything other than, you know, a benign um, representation of Southern heritage, Southern culture. Somehow they got inside our heads and changed our thinking about that. So I'm resistant to that because, and I, I think everyone should be, but in particular, we need to be very careful that we understand every time they call us racist. That is nothing thought reform. That is gaslighting. And we need yes. to be very much in tune with that. Yeah, and, and I think more people are starting to realize that because, like I said, I see commentary on there where people see through the ads and stuff. And, and as soon as some crazy crap happens, uh, the commentary I see on there immediately um, is amazing. Now, that being said, you go to something like Margie Taylor Green or Lone Berbert's Twitter, and as soon as they post something, all the comments are negative. 
I mean, 95%, and even after Musk has gotten in there, that supposedly cleans this stuff up, um, most of the comments are all negative. Like, oh, Bobert says a, a valid point, and they go find a picture of her when she was uh, strip-teasing, modeling or something back when she was in her 20s. Oh, by the way, is this you? It's like, dude, you obviously don't have to debate because it's obviously you're avoiding the issue and you're trying to come up with some other crap. And again, what someone does in their 22 is different when they do in their 42 and definitely going to be different when, they do, when they're 62. Unless you're Nancy Pelosi because she's done the same damn thing for 50 years and ain't going to change for nobody, you know? But I mean, the point is, when you got youth in inexperience, you're going to make mistakes. That's how you learn. And 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 to someone like Kavanaugh, where they're trying to say that this guy has been a rapist since he was in his teens, yet there's no evidence to prove this at all. And then he puts forth a calendar and says, "What the hell? Why would you do something like this?" It's like, um, my father told me to do this. And I always listen to what my father told me. Okay, just on the surface, that is a guy you want on the Supreme Court. He's organized. He's disciplined. He's principled. Yes, he's a bushy, and he's already shown he's the next Senator Dale O'Connor. But the bottom line is, on the surface, this is the type of guy you want to be a Supreme Court justice. He's thorough, and he, he tries to be objective. But the law is the law. And so we'll never have another Anton, uh, Antonio Scalia ever again. That was probably the best Supreme Court justice since John Jay. Okay? But I mean – You'll never see a guy like that ever again, especially with the, the, the political climate we've had henceforth. Because, uh, and I have to say this though, um, Gorsuch was a pretty good pick. I haven't heard as much about him lately, but the other picks that Trump did have, have, to me have been um, very disappointing. Um, Alito, who Bush picked, is probably is better been one of the more consistent hardcore conservatives on the bench since Scalia. So that says a lot that even a neocon like George W. Bush appoints someone like, like uh, you know, Judge Alito. That says a lot. To, to me, That whoever Supreme Court justice is, is the true legacy of a president because it shows you what the mindset is. And, and Reagan putting Sandra Day O'Connor in there was a joke because she ended up being a moderate real fast, just like, uh, just like Kennedy. Yep. And we've got to keep in mind the breadth and width of what we're up against, you know. But I still think that uh, our number one, what would you call it, enemy is the media. And when I say media, I don't mean necessarily just the news media part of it, but I'm thinking by particularly the advertising media. They just have a stranglehold on that because, you know, they, they, they control TV, they control does anyone even watch television anymore? I don't know. But they control virtually every avenue where our eyes and our ears are, and they're good at it. They're, they're changing our way of thinking. And one well, of the, the uh, crime shows. Look, look at the crime shows. And look how much they've changed. Um, you know, when you watch crime shows like, okay, let's say Starsky and Hutch, be yeah. mostly white crowd there. Okay, you know that was early seventies. Okay. Now, it's who not are, my who are the actors? Who are oh, the actors um, on Starsky and Hutch? Oh gosh, I've just forgot the because I know I know the one guy directed a couple episodes of Miami Vice actually. Oh, who is okay. the blonde hair guy? Do you remember? I don't remember. It's been so long. The reason 
the reason I ask is uh, people on YouTube tell me I look like him, and I can't see it, <laughs> which I um, think is a compliment. Oh, Michael, you know, what I hate is what I hate is when they say I look like Barney Fife. That bothers me a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Paul Michael Glazer and David Soul were Starsky. You know, David Soul is the guy they say that I kind of resemble, which. Uh, They've obviously never seen me in person because I'm nowhere. I don't look anything like him. But I've had a couple people tell me that. You but, just want to um, drive that car, man. <laughs> yeah. But back then, everybody was white. Now, there was a movie made uh, one or two years ago, just a left-wing cast. Uh, Jane Fonda was in it, and it was like the book club. I don't know if you remember that or not. And uh, it was kind of an interesting, yeah, I don't usually watch movies, but it was kind of a good movie. But this was just two years ago, and I saw one black person in the entire movie playing a very minor role. It's like they were at a dinner party and there was some guy in the background. And uh, if you look at the credits, they're all white people or Jewish people. And these are the folks, I mean, this is the exception that proves the rule, so to speak. But these are the people who are uh, browbeating us for being racist, you know. But when they make a movie, they, for whatever reason, they're all white people. And then there was Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, was there anybody in his cast who wasn't Jewish? Um, uh, like, what about the I can't think of Well, no, um, Michael, uh, what was his name? The guy to play Kramer. Yeah, he's Jewish. Is they're all Jewish. Jewish. Yeah, that's in-group bias. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I mean, they, they hang out with Jewish people. They're going to have Jewish friends. Michael so Richards. They're all Jewish. Yep. Those people are all Jewish, so what's the big deal, you know? But while you were talking about the old uh, TV shows, you know, you mentioned Starsky and Hutch, and my wife likes to watch some detective show that stars uh, Dick Van Dyke, Um I, I just don't watch. Yeah, he, and uh, they're all white people. He's not Jewish. He, he was born to a Catholic family. Um, Who? His, his mother is Italian. Michael Richards? Yeah. He, oh, I thought his, he was Jewish. His, I'm wrong. Yeah, and, and his father, William Richards, an electrical engineer of Scottish and English descent. Oh, interesting. Well, you know, I didn't know that. But, the rest uh, of the even the uh, ball-headed guy, I think, might be. Uh, what was that guy's name? Shoot, it's been so long. George Costella. I don't know what his real name is. Well, that was Constanzo. That was his, that was his character Constanzo. name, right? Yeah. But uh, the point is, if it's on television today, white people are always the minority. With a few exceptions, like that movie I mentioned earlier, um, it's hard to believe that's not by design, you know. Is it that? And then you have this, you know, Then you have this Bud Light thing, where uh, you mentioned that earlier, where they're trying to uh, just trying to advance inclusion. I don't think so. I think they're trying to get us to accept perversion. That's the way it seems to me. I do. I do see the resemblance between you and uh, David Soul. I, I do see a little bit of resemblance there. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it, but uh, 
So do, do you I'll drive a El drive a uh, Torino? <laughs> I drive a Corvette. Oh, you drive a Corvette. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't. It sits in the driveway, but I have one. I'll put it that way. What was that? that uh, what was that movie? Say what? Did we get that fixed? What's that? Your your vet. Yeah, it runs fine. Oh, good. It was uh, it was kind of noisy there for a while, but we fixed that. But. Um, Yeah, I heard something in the background. I don't know what that was. But, uh, yeah, no, it I, runs good. I don't drive it often. I need to get it out, you know, and run it around. Yeah. My my problem is at my age, I got nowhere to go. You know, I got five automobiles, five. five um, are you are you singing Chuck Berry there? Are you singing Chuck Berry there? No particular place to go? <laughs> yeah, that's it. No particular place to go. So I got five vehicles and I don't go anywhere. But I, I love my pickups, right? Except for, yeah. except for so, my five vehicles aren't going anywhere. <laughs> the way that I look at it, if uh, four of them break down, I still have one. You know, I still have some. I can still get some more. Let's, but, let's, let's uh, use that as an example. Let's use that as an example, Kim. Because you have five vehicles, people feel that um, that that's too much opulence. That you need to you need to be downsized, sir. That you need to have those four other vehicles taken from you. And that's what they're pushing for is that you can't have any type of wealth at all. And that includes having personal items. So basically, because you have five vehicles, especially now that you're um, a seasoned citizen, what the hell do you need five cars for? So you shouldn't even have one at this particular point. And that's what they want. They want to keep you immobile. And that's part of Agenda 21 is to take away our ability to, to be able to move around. And that's why... Biden is pushing regulations to force automakers to make electric-only cars. You want to see a huge backlash, have him pull that. Because I guarantee you, especially because the song I'm going to play at the end of the, song, at the, end of the show is Detroit Muscle by Ted Nugent. And I guarantee you, nobody's going to give up their damn cars. They want us in mass transportation, and, and they, the Marxists, want to control mass transportation. Yep, just like you know, They want to control us. Uh, there may come a time, Sonny, when it's illegal to drive a car because yes. the vehicles will be um, self-driving. You know, you plug it in, you program it, and they'll be able to track where you go every single time. And when you're there, they will know. I mean, they will track everybody. It's kind of like having, you know, the uh, Vera chip in your hand or in your forehead or wherever they're going to put it. Well, it's like the movie Demolition Man with with Sylvester Stallone. When that came out, 1993, look how much they had completely controlled society by then. They had self-driving cars. They had all sorts of crazy stuff going on. They they always told you about the three seashells in place of toilet paper, but they never explained what the three seashells were for. We can only assume it meant to scrape your ass so you can wipe them off, but, I mean, they never explained it. And the only way Stallone could get paper to wipe his ass with is by cussing into a damn uh, uh, one of these little meter readers they had. And so every time he did, he'd get a fine. And which is interesting because with them pushing green, all this green agenda going on, they would sit there and raise hell about having a receipt paper because it would get on the, out in the, out in the, somewhere it wouldn't be in the trash. You know what I mean? Yep. And, uh, you know, so I've, I'm going to have to watch that movie because I've never, I've never seen it. 
but I did watch oh, Creed. Oh, 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 yeah. Not only that, not only that, but virtual sex. They don't actually have intercourse. They have virtual sex. Okay, maybe I don't want to watch it. I'm, you no, know, no, no. I'm just not. What I'm saying is that the, the female character, Sandra Bullock, goes up to Stallone because remember, he's been frozen in hibernation for like 30 years, okay? And then when they let him out to go after the bad guy who purposely got thought out, which is was his Stipes' character, um, she's like, oh, do you want to have sex? She's like, sure. And he's like, oh, and they put these goggles on. What's this? Is this like some sort of foreplay? He's like, no, this is, this is sex. I'm like, you know, we're not actually talking about, you mean exchanging of bodily foods? Ooh, no, John Spartan. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, prophetic. No, did you oh, watch? Uh, did you watch Gran Torino? Yes. Yeah, that um, that was, in my opinion, um, a movie that was designed to convince us to accept non-white people. And if you don't, you're like uh, I forget the character's name. But you're just out of touch. You're the old guy who's out of touch. And uh, at least that was my takeaway from it. I wasn't um, impressed at all. Forget well, his name. Happened, look, look at the background of the character. That was basically, wasn't that supposed to be in Detroit or Flint or something like that? So basically he worked at a Ford factory. He bought the car new. He's had it all these years. He He did all of his time. He probably did 30 plus, maybe 40 years at the factory. So it had been at least 30 years after he came back from Korea, okay? And then he worked. He bought his house, paid it off. He owns everything, doesn't owe anybody. He's enjoying his golden years. And then his neighbor's gone to hell. I mean, yeah, all these non-whites moving in his neighborhood. And then they bring their bullshit into his neighborhood and start fights with each other. And it's like, what the hell, dude? But I, I think it's a very real perspective of what's happening in many um, lower middle class, blue collar neighborhoods. I, I see it in Dayton, where I grew up at, in, in the Belmont area. I mean, it, I don't even recognize the neighborhood anymore. It's gone to hell. I mean, matter of fact, my my grandfather passed away about thirty some odd years ago, and then my uncle recently passed away. who lived in that house, so he he stole a lot of bills. So and he had no will, so everything went to the state, okay, to pay his debts. So, but they let the house go to hell on the inside because he just didn't bother anymore. He had some health issues anyways, but he's just like, screw it, you know. It's like after my grandfather died, he, he just something snapped and he just didn't bother to do anything. And but and what's interesting because he was a millwright, and so everything he had was broken. I mean, nine percent of the stuff I found at his house was broken in some way. I'm sitting there going, this guy's job is to fix things, and everything got busted. I don't get it, you know. <laughs> so, but I mean, the the, the house which really needs to be torn down because of the, the extent of the damage, because I guess they had some water damage from upstairs. Uh, I guess recently went up for auction and went over like 50 grand. That house wasn't even worth that. But, but, but the bottom line was, is that um, if someone does go and try to flip that house, you're not going to get a half a decent white family is going to move in there. You're probably, if you do, it'll be some scrub like the two guys up the street, um, or it'll be another minority thing like the the one street over is is starting to go majority black and it's amazing to me because world war ii um era people there depression era people these people took care of their homes you know again a lot of my my had a stay-at-home wife that was there and stuff but i mean you know some of the older people i would go over and cut the grass you know in my reward for example the one lady across the street uh her daughter was a nun and I remember her husband passed away with a heart attack. 
But my reward for cutting her grass on a summer day was her fresh-made lemonade. She made a tall glass of lemonade. I said, oh, man, I, no, no, no money. Just, oh, I, I killed to have that tall glass of lemonade. It tasted so good. So you talk about appreciating the value of a dollar. Sometimes not only doing a good deed, but having a little sweet reward like that made it all worth the effort. But these people don't think like that these days. They, they're that this entitlement mentality that gimme, 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 and everything should be here right here, right now. That why does it take us long for something to come in the mail? Well, you ordered it from California, it takes at least three days. It should have been here yesterday. So I mean, that's the problem we have is this instant gratification society and this and these kids these days don't understand the value of hard work. And you can see it because a lot of them do not go into skilled trades anymore. Yeah, and uh, when uh, the, at this point in time there's so many jobs available, you know, you just quit your job and go somewhere else. You know, back 50s and 60s, particularly 50s, um, what you did is what you did for a lifetime. Few exceptions, you know, but what you did is what you were. And that was true of my dad. That was true of most of our neighbors. Of uh, me, have had one, two, or three places of employment during their uh, adult careers because they valued employment because it was hard to get a job. You wanted to hang on to it. Uh, but today, you know, they're paying $15 an hour to work in a hamburger shop. Good grief, man. What is that? So well, the night that almost... can... Here, here's something else I noticed. When Trump got in, I saw, like just in my line of work, I saw hourly rates go up well over 40% within two to three years. And I was like, wow, I was able to make a move because of the fact I was able to find something to pay the hell of a lot more. And I was actually doing less than what I was doing because I was essentially doing the jobs of three people at that particular employer. Okay. But I was like, wow, he made it a lot easier for me to find something and, and make it a little better for myself. But now that Biden's been in, I'm, the opposite is true. I mean, just looking at, look at my email, and seeing, you know, from the various job apps that send me notifications and saying, hey, you might be interested in this, you might be interested in that, I'm seeing the hourly rate is completely um, been capped. And so on average, you might see something on the field, maybe, maybe 19 to $20, more like 18 And I'm starting to see prices going lower. I mean, I'm going to get notifications for the same type of stuff, or they're wanting to pay 14 to $16 an hour. I'm like, First of all, it's in a bad neighborhood. Nobody's going to go there. And secondly, nobody, especially for that kind of money, it costs me money to go there, you know. But I mean, the thing is, since Biden's been in, I've, I'm seeing caps on all the job descriptions now because of the fact that it's not even worth it. So you're almost kind of stuck to stay where you're at because of the fact that um, they cl- they claim they can't find any workers out there, but the same stroke, they're really nitpicking the candidates that do apply, or if you do have experience, they don't make you consider you overqualified and they don't want to pay you. And then there's always the issue with ageism. You get over a certain age, you know, I have a couple of buddies of mine said it's been harder for them to find stuff because they're a little bit older than me. And it said, man, it's like we go in there and it's like, unless it's a, it's a BS shift that nobody wants, you know, he goes and say, hey, I've got experience, but yeah, but yeah, well, how old are you? You're not supposed to ask me that. They want to know because they think once you get between like 50, 55, that you're going to start having health issues of some sort. 
and that may be the case if you don't take care of yourself. But if, but if you're not a smoker, you're not a drinker, you're less likely to have health issues. Now, because of Obamacare and stuff like that, they see health insurance no longer as a benefit but as a burden. And so if they can dump you onto Obamacare, they will. Sometimes they will ask you when they go through the medical process, they will ask you for a medications list. So they can't ask you about your medical profile. But your medical your medication list pretty much is your you know, pretty much tells them the story they need to know. And if you're on uh you know, Kepra or whatever or high blood pressure medicine or blood thinner and you're seventy years old or in your fifties, whatever they don't say we're not going to hire you because you're old, but they'll think of some reason. You know, they'll you know say, well, we found someone else. So technically, they can't use ageism as an excuse, but uh, they still do. So you know, at seventy years old, me trying to find a job, uh, virtually impossible. Fortunately, we're you know we're fairly well situated, so I don't have to work. But still, you know, it'd be nice, you know, to have extra income, even if you don't need it have cash flow, but you got to keep in mind that uh, inflation, thanks to Biden, is chasing wages. So when I made $1.60 an hour back in 1969, that would buy, uh, what, uh, five gallons of gas. So mm-hmm. if you make $15 now, that buys uh, five gallons of gas, maybe, I don't know. But... Uh, so there really isn't, you know, it just, it's just, um, keep it, one keeps how, up with the other. How much was gas when you were in high school? I don't, I don't just, yeah, I would assume that was probably what, late sixties for you? Yeah. Uh, I was okay. in school 68 to 71. So it was around 30 cents, 31 cents. And okay. It didn't change I was, I mean, for a long time. It just stayed there. I was in high school, uh, 88 to 92. And when I first started driving, Gas was like uh, 93 cents a gallon. So that shows you in 20 years how much inflation has destroyed a lot of that. I mean, when you watch some of these older movies like Die Hard, when you, when you see the cop back out and he's getting shot at and he's going by the gas station, it's like, dude, 88 cents a gallon? Man, you'll never <laughs> see that price again. And that's in California. Probably not. But that goes back to what you were talking about earlier. They want to send electric cars, you know. And they want to control those vehicles. They don't want us to have freedom. They don't want us to have liberty. Uh, Marxists know what's good for us, and um, they've got it all worked out. They think, of course, it never works out when they actually apply it. But in their thinking, you know, just give them a shot, and they will control everything, and we'll all be equal, and they will live uh, in a beach house in California. Well, that, but another, thing, another thing you see is trending is these tiny houses. They wanted to think that you have anything over a certain square footage is unacceptable for a single person to have. So they're promoting these little tiny houses, which aren't much different than the size of a shed. And um, it's disturbing because um, they, they, they make it like look like inside of – even a, a caboose is bigger than the size of these tiny houses. And I'm just sitting there going, what the hell? But that's what they do in China. They stack up all these little apartments on, on, and they're like a little bit bigger than than your standard prison cell. I mean, if you go up to the Ohio State uh, Reformatory where Shawshank Redemption was filmed, and you go in there, it's an eight by ten. That actually looks big. 
compared to some of the stuff when, that these people live in Japan and China. When I was in China, I was in a city, Wangzhou, which has a population roughly the size of uh, Chicago. I didn't mm-hmm. see one single house. Oh, I saw were government, yeah, government buildings. I'm assuming there were houses somewhere. I didn't see any the whole time I was there. And we'd visit people, you know, and they didn't have elevators. You'd have to walk up several flights of stairs. And nobody cleans them, you know. They're dirty and graffiti all over. It's like a uh, government-made uh, slum. But you get inside the house, the people, you know, that we, we visited kept their inside of their house fairly clean. And, uh, yeah, they're about this, maybe a little bigger than a tiny house, uh, the ones that we visited anyhow, but not much, much so. So that's uh, that's the way they want us to live. But the elites, you know, not so. They want to live in, uh, as I said earlier, they want to live the life of Obama. You know, big beach house. They don't care about climate change and the ocean raising and going to wipe them out. Uh, for some reason, they're perfectly happy living next to the ocean. You know, so that is the direction we're heading. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live in a housing project. It's like a, um, I compare it to a um, like a, a World War II era where they would take the Japanese and they would put in, I don't want to call them concentration yeah, all the internment camps, yes. Internment camps, yeah. So basically a house, housing project is an internment camp, or as you said, a prison, you know? And they got us, and we're in jail. And if you don't do what they say to do, you don't have a house. Just like you don't have a job. You know, if you're not uh, an advocate of um, critical race theory, you can't teach. If you uh, don't take the jab, you can't have a job. And if you don't do such and such and so and so, you don't have a house. You'll have to move out for someone else. That's the direction that we are heading, and I hate to say it, but it's not a snail space. We're moving there very quickly. And I think people are starting to wake up to it. I hope so. But uh, the challenge is, this is something i got to ask you. Why is it, Sonny, that in some of the areas, not all of them, of the country that have a overwhelming white majority, like New England, they tend to be the most left-wing areas of the country. Same thing with the Northwest, you know. Uh, Oregon, and maybe not Washington, but uh, Oregon at least, uh, overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly left-wing. Are these people not attuned to reality, or what's going on? You know, it could arguably, I was just thinking, it could arguably also be the, uh, the climate, because a lot of those areas like New England and stuff oftentimes are really wet and rainy and dreary, like Seattle. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, that, 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 there's been scientific studies that show that actually causes a serious depression. And when people, you know, misery loves company, so people love to bring people down to their level. Um, that's why in Ireland, they paint their houses bright colors because it's uh, oftentimes overcast and rains a lot. Uh, so that's why they have bright colored houses and pubs. Because it, it helps cheer them up, and um, that, that's a very interesting point there. Plus, the fact that most of those things are are, le- are uh, Democrat strongholds to begin with, and uh, we I've seen it firsthand. Where, I mean, it, 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 the thing I've also been talking about too a lot is the fact that a lot of the 
the schools that we name after people that have actually um, done something, whether they were, um, maybe they were, they donated a lot of their estate to build that school, or they, uh, maybe they had a lifelong um, profession of educating, and they wanted to honor the memory of that person as being educated first, regardless of any color. Um, but now, because that person's white, it needs to be changed. Where in New York City, for example, they don't name schools. They're numbered. Now, to me, you can't get more communist than that. When you say, well, what would you go to? I went to, pub, I went to PS29 or I went to PS62. It's, it's literally right out of Ayn Rand's anthem book where basically you don't have names. You have essentially a designation and a number. That is your identity marker. And that's and and the same point. That's not a name. It's an identity marker. So, and and they completely eradicate any individuality, even the word I. Everything is us and we. And uh, and I just even saw something in there, uh, a meme the other day that said something about. And again, I know you're a biblical scholar that the demons always refer to themselves by them and we. They never refer to themselves as an individual. They never refer to themselves as an individual, but they're always part of an evil collective. And that is another form of communism. So I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, another key element of thought reform, particularly with cults, but also with Marxism, is the it's really important, and I'm I know that you know this, but it's really important that they totally destroy and obscure any sense of um Identity. So um, that's why you don't have a gender. You know, there is no sex. There, you're you're not one or the other. You can be anything you want to be. That's why they say that uh, there is no race. You know, race is a social construct. You can't have an identity. And they find that, that people who are very difficult to brainwash, you know, the communists in, uh, in China, North Korea, the people who were very difficult to brainwash were people who were had a very strong sense of identity. They knew what their religion was, you know, Catholic priests. Yes. I think we talked about this maybe in the past. Very difficult to brainwash those people because they knew that communism was wrong. They had a strong sense of identity. You couldn't convince them otherwise. And uh, they wind up just taking them out and shoot them. If they can't brainwash them, they don't, you know, what good is it? But the first thing they want to do is destroy your sense of identity. You're not a man. You're not a woman. Well, what am I? Well, they've taken you, that lump of clay, and they mushed you up, and now you don't have an identity. Now they can recreate you the way they want to. And the and way they, they say it is – they destroy your belief system, yeah. They want you to take your belief yeah. system. Yeah, it's definitely um, – who, who is the name of the um, the guy that escaped the Soviet Union in the mid-1980s? And actually, G.L. Griffin had interviewed him. Um, oh gosh, I forgot that guy's name. And it was he's a defector, and uh, some of the very famous video footage talks about the steps that it takes to break down a society. And he said what he was absolutely amazed was was how fast it had progressed here in the United States. And this is in the mid 1980s. He's talking about this. It's like I am actually amazed at how far along you guys have already come along in this process. I see, I see it within a generation or two that you will have um, a very socialist society here. And this is more than we could have ever imagined in the, in the Soviet Union. So that, um, you know, 
I mean, it took us 10 years to completely wipe out most of the Christian resistance um, in the Soviet Union. It's like, you guys will have it wiped out in, in a matter of months the way you guys are going. And there is, uh, if you watch YouTube, there is this young woman, same thing, who escaped from uh, North Korea. I don't know if you've seen her videos or not, but she says effectively the uh, same thing this other guy said, the Russian. And uh, she is seeing the pattern of thought reform here that she saw in North Korea, and she's just, uh, you know, outraged over it. Particularly what she saw, or what she is seeing in the schools with the critical race theory. You know, it's just thought reform. Uh, the guy's name and is Yuri we... Bezmanov. Yuri okay. Bezmanov. Yeah, so he, he explained that. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we've seen a lot of people that have managed to escape really talk about what it's like over there. Uh, and we're not just talking about out, out of the direct communist countries. We're talking about even the satellite states. Like if you've ever heard uh, Harold Ziegler I've had on here, he escaped from East Germany in 1985. And he, he wrote a book called Freedom's Nightmare. And if you get a chance, you might want to pick yourself up a copy. Um, you can go to uh, authorhzieger.com and look that up. That's uh, Z-I-E-G-E-R. And uh, his book, Freedom's Nightmare, talks about what it was like growing up in there being raised a communist. In his particular case, he eventually found uh, Christianity and totally changed his, his perspective in his life. And then when he publicly declared that he was a Christian, he was immediately fired from his job and his duties and was placed on a watch list. And uh, years later, after his, him and his wife came back after the wall fell, uh, they were able to go back and check the Stasi files on them. And they were floored that they, when they, it, they were like, couldn't figure out why the caretaker was taking so long to come back out. But they come out with this cart with all these documents that says, this is all the stuff we have on you and your wife. And it was massive. He said one book alone was an inch thick on him. The, the book on his wife, because she was she was Catholic from the get-go, was four inches thick. So just because she was no, Catholic. probably knew more about him than uh, he knew about himself. Yeah. Knew what, so, I mean, I'm sorry. It's just, so just because she was a Catholic, she's automatically considered a dissident. And they're doing the same thing to us. That's what we mentioned, you know, we were talking about earlier with the, uh, you know, you go for a job and you have to take the uh, the vaccine and say, I'm not going to, well, put you on a list, you know, this guy's trouble. And now yeah. they're associating Christianity or at least traditional Christianity with um, white supremacy. So if you are a fundamentalist of any kind, including Catholicism, um, you go on the list. You know this guy is somebody you got to watch out for. Oh, even more so if you're a Christ, if you're a Catholic conservative, you're considered the ultimate. That you're the ultimate domestic terrorist. I mean that's actually amazing to me because most conservative Catholics I know, um, they may talk shop but they never act. They're more afraid about yeah. doing something wrong and might go to hell instead of being you know patriots. Now that that being said, I have some. I have some colleagues, like Kelly Coles, you know, she's a hardcore activist trying to, you know, going through the education system, trying to wake people up, and she's Catholic. But, I mean, she's not some gun-toting, mad-vax, raven, you know, 
Rambo type. She's just completely opposite. She she tries to um, use the pen instead of the sword, you know, and and she really exposed a lot of the crap that was going on in the Springboro school system, and then turned around a huge deficit into a surplus. And then within six months after she left, they were already asking for more money. They had already drained the twelve million dollar surplus that she had uh, built back up in six months. They wiped it out. And uh, Hutton Gibson, you remember him? He died a few years ago. He was uh, a vet. Yes. Uh, he was a vet, right? Solid Catholic, conservative, traditionalist. Mel's father, right? Do what? That Mel Gibson's father. Mel Gibson's father, yeah. And uh, he was a vet. Uh, that line. But there were a couple um, teachers I read about this week, and I don't have a story perfectly straight, but they were required to teach critical race theory, and they refused. So they filed suit against the school. They lost the lawsuit, and uh, the judge made them pay the legal fees of the school district, which was tens of thousands of dollars, which I guess um, should have been paid by insurance. But uh, So if you stand up against these people, not only do you lose your job, but you go in debt. You know? And uh, so in that school district, I don't remember which one it is. I could probably find it. But I guarantee you there are no conservatives, no conservative teachers, no traditional conservatives, uh, no uh, conservative teachers, rather, because they can't be. They, you know, they fire them. They lose the job. And if they take a stand against it, uh, they go in debt. Mm-hmm. So everyone in the school district is a left-wing moonbat, as far as teachers are concerned, or you keep your mouth shut, which uh, – Sometimes you can't. You have no choice. But, again, as we mentioned earlier, you know, that's how they're screening us out of the job place. So, uh, you know, it's go along with them or you don't have a job. You can't survive. That's why I'm really against teachers' unions, especially in public-funded schools. I don't think it has any place in any public organization at all. If you have a private company and you want to unionize, that's your business. But I think when it comes to governments and um, um, education, I think there needs to be a draw a line there because we've seen what the NEA as well as, in this case, the OEA have done for education here. And it's that's why the public schools suck so badly. What? Uh, how late are we going tonight? Uh, probably off here in a few minutes. Okay. I, I didn't know, but um... – in our area, and I assume this is nationwide, teachers' unions function like political parties. Yes. Now, the thing is, if you run for school board, there are no political parties. Everyone's an independent. But the teachers' union is a de facto political party. So they slate candidates, they work the polls, they promote their candidates. So in reality, even though there is no political party, there's just one political party. It's the teachers' union party. So there yes. people get elected. And um, that, that happens here. I'm assuming it's all over the country. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. When I ran, you know, when I ran for governor back, uh, man, it's been 19 years ago, be almost 20 years ago, I made a big deal about that. And there were some changes made, not many, but they did make some changes. But, uh, you know, they people on the school board don't represent parents. They don't represent the uh, community. They represent the union. 
now on our local school board, we had two people who got elected uh, the last election cycle who opposed that, but still they're a minority, so they may as well not even be there. So, well, like so I you got to teach what they want. Is, is that not only do you see, um, and 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 that being said too, I have seen a serious difference uh, between white teachers and black teachers. Uh, when I went to high school, I had one particular black teacher who would literally just read the book out. She'd sit her fat ass on the podium and just read the book to you. I mean, you, you didn't learn anything, okay? And her buddy was an English teacher who was there forever. I mean, she had these long-ass fingernails. She was kind of a strange one. But anyway, she she was an interesting kook as well. But they knew they were just getting their time in so they could go get their uh, get their pensions. Now, I had some teachers that were also administrators. Matter of fact, I was just talking about this on a group from my high school uh, the other day. I said, who's your favorite teacher? I said, actually, I said, um, the guy I had, I hated him as an administrator. I used to get him in hall sweep and everything else. But then I had him for American government class my senior year, and I had him for a semester, and I had straight A's in his class because it turns out he also taught at UD part-time, which is the University of Dayton. So he knew, yeah. how, to, he knew yeah. how to teach, and uh, I loved him. I was like, wow, I really actually like this guy. But then they, they forced him to go on, on administrative duties full-time, and so they had a, 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 a mulatto female teacher come in to teach. And, of course, as soon as they put her in there, within two days, all the black students started acting up. They're more like trying to, yeah, you one of us, sister, yeah, yeah, you know, all this other shit. They try to get her to come on their side and stuff like this and basically to bias the class. And I didn't learn a fucking thing in that class. I mean, literally went from a solid A average that class to a C minus. I was wow. so pissed because they, they never learned anything in that class. They're too busy talking about BS or um, uh, disciplinary problems, you know? Yeah, well, that was in the 80s, right? So when I was in school, it was a little bit different that they uh, would assign students by their uh, performance. And they had what were called S classes. I called them stupid classes. But, you know, all the blacks took S classes. So mm-hmm. it was effectively segregated. And the white kids were in the G classes, which were the good classes, were the intermediate classes. So integration was in the hallways. But segregation was in the classroom to to some extent. So we didn't have a lot of that, but, uh, you know, where you had blacks and white kids in the classroom together had some of it. But not a lot of it, and particularly in summer school. I took summer school so we could take driver's ed, and I had a black teacher, but uh, there were no black kids in summer school, you know, which is weird. It's a black majority high school, but uh, summer school, mm-hmm. if they didn't have to come, they didn't. So that was yeah. actually kind of nice. I enjoyed summer school. So, but uh, but that thing that you're talking about, I saw that rarely. I saw it a couple times in classrooms where black kids would cause trouble. But uh, you see it in the lunchroom. You see it in the hallway. Uh, you'd see it. We had a college campus style high school where you'd actually go outside to pass, you know, from class to class. So yeah, you'd see it there. But in the classroom. Not so much, but things change. And um, I thought, uh, so Sonny, I thought we were all supposed to get along together, but apparently not. Well, you know, the thing that really upset me the most is that is that they still have a biased um, SAT score for blacks. They only need like a 600, 650 to get in, but whites have to have what? 
750, 800. So students in the University of Michigan, students said, hey, wait a minute. If they're supposed to be equal to us, why are they getting such a huge handicap? And unfortunately, they took it to the Supreme Court, but then they, they lost the case. I'm like, that's, that's complete BS. And, and my yep. biggest issue is I recently went up to OSU to see uh, Candace Owens speak, and I didn't get in because students get first dibs about get, filling the hall first. So I took a chance to go up there. I'm like, okay, we, we got boxed out, right? But just listening to the, the, the protests outside and even the crap they're talking about, I mean, it's clearly obviously they're, they're all brainwashed little, little commies, you know? And I shouted something back at them. It's like, all oh, the BS is always comparing to Hitler. I was like, I was like uh, learn the true history and ask the socialist Germany before you run your freaking mouth, idiot. And they kind of looked at yeah, me. Yeah. And all that. yeah. So when you, when you really understand what happened at that time period, and there's a difference between fascism, which was Mussolini's style, and national socialism, which was Hitler's style, they're similar but very much not the same. And uh, Dr. Luther, William Luther Pierce had done an extended piece on that and explained the differences between the two ideologies. And they're very, very different. But uh, uh, what gets me the most is I feel like all my public money is being used to indoctrinate children into communism. And if I was the run for governor, public-funded university looked over, I'd have it critiqued, and, if there's, and, and I'd have to look at the list of guest speakers that you have. If you heckle all the right-wingers and praise all the left-wingers, then I would say we're going to start defunding the universities because of the simple fact that you're supposed to be pro-Americana, not hating it. And that's what they're creating, is they're creating all these little, little Stalins everywhere. And uh, it's, um, I don't know, if it's getting worse or not, you know, I mentioned earlier about white areas tend to be far left, but in the South, they tend to be very conservative, even though they uh, are almost a minority. And it's, it's sometimes I wonder, Sonny, if when white people have to confront the reality of uh, black savagery, if that doesn't bring them to their senses, you know, that they can no longer be brainwashed. Kind of a theory, I don't know, but the more brown people that moves in, it seems the more white people move to the right because they, they seem to be coming to their senses. So, uh, Do you mind if I go? No, not at all. I don't know. I, uh, okay. Like I said, I appreciate you coming on. I haven't had you on in a long time, and um... – you, you you extensively post a lot of good stuff on your websites. I got to give a tip of hat to you, sir, because you um, you do try to stay on top of a lot of this stuff and showing the media bias towards uh, black on white crime, especially when it leads to murder. So I mean, because um, those people aren't coming back, and and some of these guys get a slap on the wrist or very light sentence. Where if the the rule was the opposite, and a white person killed a black person like that, especially who had a family. Um, they would give that guy a life sentence, if not the death penalty. Yeah. And it happens all too often. We're finding maybe 40 a month now. Wow. Not all of them are black on white. Some of them black on East Asian. Some one or two are white on black, not many. But, uh, yeah, it just it's nonstop, and it has been going on for years. So, Well, I'm going to get out of here. Thanks for the plug. And okay. any time, man, give me a call. I appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Sonny. Take care. All right. Bye-bye.
can give it in. So, again, his website is dailycandy.com. That's with two N's. And, uh, again, he posts a lot of good stuff on there, so you need to check that out. Um, really, really takes the time to showcase that stuff because there's a lot of good information there. And um, he takes the time to really look that up. Got it. Okay. So that is definitely a good site to add to your bookmarks and um, all that stuff there. It's so good stuff. Okay, so we're going to close tonight with another Ted Nugent song, like I mentioned. It's called, uh, off the most recent album. Hang on a second, I passed up my list here. Antonio Montanamo, prison for Cuba. (laughs) I just saw that clip that I had still on here. All right, where'd you go? Has sitting on here. here we go. Got it. Um, Detroit Muscle. Yes. So the opening song tonight was Come and Take It. So we're going to end tonight with uh, Detroit Muscle from his newest album, Detroit Muscle. Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com My brothers, my sisters, 
I bring you a message of solidarity, a call to action, and a demand for adherence to duty of an Aryan resurgence and ultimately total Aryan victory. We have broken the chains of Jewish thought. We know not the meaning of the word mine, it is ours. Our race, the totality of our people. Ten hearts, one beat. One hundred hearts, one beat. Ten thousand hearts, one beat. We are born to fight and to die and to continue the flow. The flow of our people. Onward we will go, onward to the stars, high above the mud, the mud of yellow, black, and brown. So kinsman, duty calls. The future is now. If months from now you have not yet fully committed yourself to the alliance, then you have an effect not only betrayed your race, you have betrayed yourself. So stand up like men and drive the enemy into the sea. Stand up like men and swear a sacred oath upon the green graves of our sires that you will reclaim what our forefathers discovered, explored, conquered, settled, built, and died for. Stand up like men and reclaim our soil. Kinsmen, arise. Look toward the stars and proclaim our destiny. Defeat never, victory forever. Hi, this is Ron Paul. I am a former congressman, physician, and presidential candidate. The world is in turmoil. Things like Ebola, earthquakes, wars, and famines are commonplace. As Americans, we are largely sheltered from these events. However, in parts of the world, just having enough food is a huge problem. For some of us, there is the nagging thought that we may not always have it so good. So we keep some food on hand just in case. My family and I have found a product that helps us do this better. It's a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With it, we eat healthier and store a little more food. We freeze dry everything we love to eat, and it lasts up to 25 years. Who knows what the future will bring? One thing's certain, my family and I will always have food on the table. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-763-5999. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-763-5999.